to another episode of the Modern Manifestation Podcast. I'm your host, Bree Brown, a lettuce-hating, wine-loving, curses-like-a-sailor, recovering perfectionist. Having thrived in a male-dominated, commission-based industry, I'm passionate about helping women boldly pursue their life goals. In this space, we build confidence with our mindset, manifestation, and spirituality. I believe that your life manifests as a result of who you are, not what you do, and that your personality creates your personal reality. Join this growing community to increase your net worth by increasing your self-worth. Now let's jump into today's topic. Hello, my gorgeous souls, and welcome back to the Modern Manifestation Podcast. By the time this episode drops, it's going to be the new year, so happy, happy new year. And if you need a little boost in setting your goals for the upcoming year, feel free to check out my goal-setting workshop, which is available online for $30 to help you gain clarity and perspective in the year to come. I recently had an Instagram reel that just blew up. I had about 2 million views. I actually think I have more than that now. And Actually, it was my first reel that ever blew past a million views. And I think it's because the topic really struck a chord with a lot of people. So I thought I'd bring the subject to my podcast since y'all are my favorite group of people anyway. And I think it's really useful for us to have a conversation around, or at least for us to be thinking about and how this shows up in our lives. The topic covered in my reel was essentially this. Be careful of over-intellectualizing your emotions instead of feeling them. Not intellectualizing, which can be a good thing, but over-intellectualizing. My therapist once told me that we experience emotions on a spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, you have people who feel emotions very easily and very intensely, both their own and the emotions of others. And emotions can be very crippling for these people because they're felt so strongly. To that end, These are the kind of people who could benefit from a little more intellectualizing than feeling. Then there's the other end of the spectrum, where I used to exist. And these are the people who avoid their emotions because they're so uncomfortable to experience. These people, like myself, often over-intellectualize how they're feeling, or more importantly, why they're feeling a certain way, instead of connecting with them. So it's a way to disassociate. They overemphasize the need to understand and to logically process the emotions from a place of reason. And as a representative of this latter group, I was disembodied for a long time because I was at this end of the spectrum, struggling to connect with my body and my emotions. I know this is something I've talked about in past episodes as well. I experienced a general numbness that haunted me for years. To that end, I can't really speak to the experiences of the group that feels their emotions very intensely because one, I've never shared this experience. And two, I'm not a therapist or mental health professional. However, I can speak to my experience as someone who struggles to feel and I can share my own realizations as well as the tools that have helped me swing the other way a bit more. So if you are someone that experiences all of your emotions very deeply, This podcast episode isn't necessarily for you directly, but it might help you better understand someone in your life who might be a little bit more like me at the other end of the spectrum. Now, over-intellectualizing our emotions doesn't mean that I and people like me don't experience our emotions like anger and sadness and disappointment and grief. I do. I do experience those things. 
The difference is that I never want to stay with them long enough to process them. I quickly look for the escape button or the rug to brush them under. I could tolerate these emotions for a few minutes or a few moments at most, and then I was ready to look for ways to cope or to escape those emotions. And I've noticed that my family does this too. If there's ever an uncomfortable discussion or a conversation that started over at dinner, they try to brush past the topic and get to a more happy topic or something that was less offensive. So this is a pattern that we continue in our family dynamics as well. And it's something that was very much is and was perpetuated in my own family. So I thought it was really great to talk about this following the holidays because it might be fresh on your mind like it is on mine. So as someone who has a tendency to over-intellectualize, I would walk into therapy and I could describe my toxic issues. I would label them. I knew the mental state of my parents and their parents and why they were the way they are and the patterns we repeat as a family. I could analyze my past and provide reasons why I am the way that I am. But I wouldn't tap into the emotional trauma of any of it. I wanted to analyze and understand from a distance. I didn't want to revisit the emotions, you know, the ones I never really visited in the first place. But we create from our identity and our authenticity. And when our identity is still tied up in old stories, we aren't living authentically. And then we create scenarios where we revisit these traumas until they're acknowledged, or we revisit these emotions until they're acknowledged. I didn't start to manifest the things I wanted more consistently until I began to unpack this emotional baggage and actually deal with it. And not just pack it into a smaller and a smaller and a smaller box and put it higher and higher and higher on the shelf to deal with later. So if any of this resonates and you're struggling to manifest as well, you may have some of these old stories and emotions stored in your body. And these old emotions and stories are typically lower vibrations by nature And they stay in our sphere of being the whole time, messing with what we got going on. In order to create, we must release these emotions, this energy in motion. Intellectualizing is fine. It can be a useful tool. Over-intellectualizing is a problem. So what does that mean to over-intellectualize your emotions? I know I've described it a little bit about what it looks like for me and how I would walk into therapy. But really, I think over-intellectualizing our emotions is when we choose to analyze our emotions from a distance, and we don't allow ourselves to fully experience the feels consistently. It's like we want to look at the thing from the outside, but we don't want to actually go into it. We stick to the logic and the reason behind it, and sometimes with such vigor that we just shut down anyone that asks us to feel that thing. Analyzing, fine. Feeling, no thank you. Like I said, in therapy, I could talk all about my toxic issues, relationships, how they manifested in my present reality, what I need to work on as a result of it, how I understood other people's perspectives. But if my therapist stopped and asked me, how does that make you feel? I immediately got angry. I was like, this isn't why I'm here. I didn't want to experience the emotions. I just wanted to talk about them. I just wanted to analyze them. I wanted to keep them at arm's length. And I couldn't understand why that wasn't enough. How dare she suggest I feel these silly little emotions? They're so illogical, right? (laughs) I would find myself thinking things like, let's just stick to the facts, analyze them, and move on. 
Feeling? No thank you. Pass. And perhaps unsurprisingly, it turns out that intellectualizing your emotions can be a defense mechanism. Big surprise there. Over-intellectualizing our emotions, when done to an extreme, is another form of emotional suppression. And in case you're new here, I am the queen of emotional suppression. Or I should say I was the queen of emotional suppression. (laughs) Our brains and our bodies allow us the ability to bypass our emotions, especially when we're feeling stressed, because it isn't helpful to experience these things if we're being chased by a lion. However, we weren't meant to avoid our emotions indefinitely. Yet there I was, decades of emotional suppression, still just wanting to talk about my past, but not wanting to experience the emotional remnants it left behind, because I was very intolerant of emotional sensations. I was not resilient enough to handle them. And you know what happened when I didn't feel my emotions in real time? At the appropriate times, I would take them out on some undeserving person later at an inappropriate time, when it didn't matter and they didn't deserve it. So I'm not suggesting that you never explore your trauma and become aware of the sources behind them and analyze. There is a time and a place for intellectualizing when it can be a good thing. In fact, I think we all need a healthy dose of both feeling our emotions and intellectualizing our emotions. Logic can be great. It's one of my favorite tools. And like anything else, it can also limit our growth when it's overemphasized and overutilized. Intellectualizing can be useful to sidestep our stress, trauma, and negative experiences so that we can survive. But when it's used too often as a crutch, it becomes counterproductive to our health. Feeling is uncomfortable. I get it. It sucks sometimes. But feeling is healing. I've spent years trying to become more mindful of where I over-intellectualize in life at the expense of my emotions, fighting to feel a wider range of emotions instead of feeling this constant state of numbness. So for a large part of my life, I felt a very, if you consider like despair on one end of the spectrum and joy or elation at the other end of the spectrum, there's like this whole broad range of emotional expression. I pretty much stayed like right in the middle. Like, my emotional expression was very limited to, like, the middle of that row. So there were very, very, very brief times where I might feel grief or rage or joy or elation for, like, a split second or maybe a moment, but it quickly dissipated. And the reason that happened to me is because I turned down the volume on my emotions overall. I wanted to over-intellectualize and not feel them, so my body wasn't used to that exercise of allowing them, so my window of emotional expression got smaller. I was more numb, more consistently. But when we turn down the dial on our emotions, we turn them all down. We don't just turn down the bad emotions, we turn down the good too. And I'll never forget an app that actually helped me come to this realization. One day I was signing into this app and at the very beginning of each visit, it would always ask you to rate your mood. And after probably a year of using this app, one day I became aware that I almost always selected the middle option. Okay, fine. Can't complain. All good. No worries. And so I decided to go back through the log of all the emotions that I had tracked over the past year And I saw that I never once selected the worst moods they offered. And I also had never selected the happiest moods 
they had offered. 99.9% of my self-reports were just, okay, middle of the road. And I also noticed that when it came to experiences in life, I felt defective emotionally because I never got really excited like others. But I also didn't get angry at the appropriate times either. It would come much later. It was like a delayed response. And I remember being younger in business and there was an issue that came up with this other broker and myself as we were working on a deal. And he was visibly fuming, absolutely furious at this other landlord broker because we felt like we'd been crossed. And he looked over at me and he expected me to be caught up in the rage just as much as he was. But I was there, blankly staring. Still fine, all good, can't complain. And he looked at me like I clearly didn't understand the situation because I should be enraged. But I couldn't drum up the feelings he was experiencing at that time because I was frozen. We talk about stress, fight, flight, fawn, or freeze. I had frozen. And that's where I primarily have stayed for a lot of my life. So you might be thinking, oh, well, you were non-reactive. That's the goal, right? To become less reactive in life. And yes, that is a goal, but that's not what I was doing. I wasn't less reactive internally. I was just frozen. My nervous system was dysregulated, and that was the route that I'd gone. I froze. I didn't experience anything. And I wasn't meditating at that time, and I wasn't working on calming my nervous system regularly. I was just in this constant state of freeze. Numb. And the funny thing is about this stage is that you can feel rage, you can feel those more negative emotions, but it always happens at inappropriate times because you have to wait for that freezing process to kind of thaw out, you thaw out. And then you might experience rage at someone driving too slowly or slow walker or someone's cart in the way at the grocery store. It's usually misplaced and unpredictable because you just don't know when you're going to thaw out and enter into fight mode instead. So this is why it's important to talk about feeling our emotions, because otherwise we're a ticking time bomb without the skill. We could be numb to the bad emotions and the good emotions. And when we're numb, we're not living in alignment. We're not living in authenticity when we don't practice feeling our emotions. And expressing our emotions in a healthy way allows us to begin to exit the fight, flight, freeze, and fawn cycle and to begin to create nervous system regulation. So what does it look like to overintellectualize? Well, here's what it looked like for me in real time. I might have gotten out of a long-term relationship, and instead of feeling my grief and anger and frustration and disappointment, instead, I would read all kinds of books about creating better communication and narcissism and books for couples and love languages. But I would avoid the grief and the emotions associated with the breakup. I would go into learning instead of feeling. Or I might start listening to a ton of podcast episodes about narcissistic parents and their impact on children. But I would avoid the sadness that this situation had actually caused me. I just wanted to learn about it and analyze how that would apply to me. But I never gave my inner child the expression to be able to feel that grief associated with it or feel the anger associated with having been treated that way. Or I might listen to all kinds of ebooks about becoming a better business person. But I would avoid the shame created by my imposter syndrome, and I would just keep learning, 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 and never dealing with the self-worth issues that were actually keeping me from doing the things I needed to do. I just wanted to learn more instead of resolve what was there. It's that shadow work aspect of it. 
And here's a more recent personal example of mine. Over this past summer, there was someone in my family that I got very angry with. And instead of feeling that anger, that frustration, and allowing that experience to take place in my body, instead, I walked into therapy ready to talk about my boundaries and how they were crossed and how I needed to assert myself a little better and why they took certain actions and then why I took certain actions as a result of those actions. And then I immediately was talking about how I think that they are this, this, and this in terms of their labels. And then I began to explain their perspective and the upbringing that led them to act that way and why that triggered something within me and because of my upbringing. I was so ready to just jump over all of my feelings by riding the magic carpet of analyzation to get to the other side of understanding and forgiveness. In other words, I just wanted to pole vault over my emotions and get to the resolution. Because this is something I'm still actively working on. (laughs) It can be a useful skill to contemplate someone else's perspective in a conflict. It can also be a useful skill to analyze the conflict overall and to figure out where your own shortcomings are. But it's not a great idea to immediately jump from anger to understanding without processing what's in the middle. When we don't allow ourselves to feel feelings, we create more problems for ourselves in the form of emotional numbness, physical pain, GI issues, anxiety, depression, etc. These are just a few of the things that I've experienced personally through emotional suppression. So now you might be asking yourself, well, how do you stop intellectualizing your emotions? Because that's what I asked. (laughs) So here's some of the feedback that I got, and I'll also share with you some of the tips that I have tried out for myself that seem to really work for me. The first is to become aware of this habit within yourself, which I hope this episode will help you do. The second thing is to seek tools that can help you process your emotions in a healthy way, tools that will help you build this new skill set. So some of the tools that have helped me is one, obviously therapy. Find someone who can hold you accountable, notice you when you're in the actions, and stop you when you're trying to bypass the emotions. As much as I have worked on this over the years, I still find myself doing it, and it's helpful to have my therapist who will stop me and say, hey, you're doing that thing again. (laughs) I think this is something that I'll have to continue reiterating to myself over and over again throughout the years and continue to press and make sure that I learn from. Because it's a habit, right? And that's okay. The second thing I recommend is somatic exercises. And this could be any number of exercises. But if you just type in somatic exercises, I guarantee you will find you will find an exercise that resonates with you. So somatic exercises are are like body work, basically. So that could be vocalizing. So I remember when my therapist had me use the word vu, V-U-U-U-U, however many U's there are. And she would literally just have me sit and say, okay, just say the word vu, vu, like just hold it. And she was like, and then in your brain, imagine you're sending that vu all the way down to your root chakra. Although she didn't say root chakra, she said your bum. (laughs) And then all the way back up through your body again. And that is something that will instantly help you calm your your parasympathetic nervous system. It's engaging your vagus nerve. So that is something that I love to do, vocalizing. You don't have to use vu. You could use om. You could just say any syllable, ah, eh, you know, whatever it is for you. I'm sure those are great examples if you're in your car. 
just find something to vocalize. Like I noticed that I would vocal stem whenever I was uncomfortable, like, ugh, bleh. you know, like after I got uncomfortable with something, that's totally fine. That's your body trying to reset itself. Allow yourself to do that. If you think of an old memory that just makes you like feel ugh, let yourself vocalize. That is a somatic exercise. Another thing you can do is breath work. Breath work is really, really great for people that are struggling to resolve a lot of the emotions that are stored within your body. Breath work can help you move some of that energy through your body. I have had breath work sessions where I start bawling for no particular reason because that emotion was just stored within me somewhere. I've also felt very angry during breath work. And breath work is also used for people that suffer with PTSD because it is so powerful to help us reconnect with our body and to heal some of those things that are stuck within us. So if you want to get started on breath work, you can always just Google or go on YouTube and find one of Wim Hof's videos. He has a ton for free that you can watch and you can just do a breath work exercise with him. Or you can just go to a nearby class or whatever you have around you. These are all somatic exercises. I know I'm taking forever on the second one, but I'm still going with somatic exercises. The next somatic exercise I love are body scans. That's when you do a meditation and it just starts, it says, you know, feel into your toes, your heels, your calves, your knees, your thighs, your quads, your glutes, your hips, your, you know, you get the drift. Connecting with your body and just really feeling into it can help you ground yourself. And any type of grounding exercise is also going to be really great for helping you just feel where the emotions are within your body and help you move through them. And the last somatic exercise I'll mention is kundalini. You could argue that this is its own separate topic, but I also feel like there are some great kundalini exercises you can do that move your body physically that are also somatic. The third thing I would do is meditate. I bet you knew this one was coming. (laughs) Try those grounding meditations that I mentioned. Try those body scan meditations that I mentioned. And there's also plenty of guided meditations that are focused on emotional release. Find some. Whatever emotion you want to work through, find a guided meditation for that and dive in. Any type of meditation, if you listen to my last episode on the benefits of meditation, any type of meditation is going to help you with emotional processing. The end. The fourth thing I'm going to mention to you is journaling. And this is probably the one that's helped me the most with emotional processing because, yes, it allows me to go crazy with the intellectualizing. I get to analyze. I get to write down, da, da, da. But once I'm done doing that and getting it all out onto the paper, the most important thing is that I then go into the emotional side of it. I'm trying to find the balance of intellectualizing and feeling. So then what I do is I describe my emotions as best as possible. So I pretty much describe my emotions as if they're objects. I give them a place in my body, a color, a size, a texture, a feeling, a word, whatever it is. There's no limits to what you can give this thing, but you describe it. You might even draw it. If you're a painter or you're a sketcher, draw the emotion. What does it look like? But get as descriptive as possible. And then feel it in your body. Close your eyes. Maybe incorporate this in with meditation. And then just sit with that emotion in your body. And just see what happens if you spend five minutes focusing your attention on that emotion and what it looks like and where it's at. And then see what happens when you give yourself 10 minutes to focus on it and 15 minutes to focus on it. And then imagine what would happen if you take that emotion and you imagine a cool water encircling around it and encapsulating it. 
or some white light and giving it some loving energy? How does that change the emotion? And over time, does it start to get smaller? Does it get bigger? What happens? That is probably one of the best, absolute best things you can do for helping your body feel safety in experiencing these emotions and also reteaching you what it's like to experience your emotions. So that is one of the best things that I recommend is journaling. And the fifth thing I'm going to mention is probably pretty obvious, but it's mindfulness. Practice noticing your emotions when they arise and becoming curious about what they're trying to tell you. Instead of trying to push them away and deal with them later, just be like, oh, wow, I just got angry. Let's sit with that. Why is that here? What's that telling me? And then just sit with the anger for a bit. You won't always be able to do this, right? That could be weird in a social setting if you're always doing that. But especially when you're at home or you see something on TV or you hear something on the radio, if anytime you're alone and you experience emotion, just let yourself, give yourself full permission to sit with it and then just see what happens from there. And just because these tools sound simple, it doesn't necessarily make them easy because if they were easy, everyone would be doing them all the time. And when I was struggling to feel the highs and the lows of my emotions and I was kind of stuck in that numbness, I had to reteach my body to pick up on the subtle cues it provides when emotions change. Because I'd ignored my emotions for so long that my cues were turned way down, almost silenced. So when I first began the somatic work, everything was kind of quiet, almost muted. I didn't really know what anger felt like in my body. I didn't really know what grief or happiness or joy felt like in my body because it all kind of felt the same, muted. And there were hundreds of times in that journaling exercise where my therapist would ask me to go through that exact process, describe the emotion, what does it feel like, look like, smell like, taste like, whatever. And so many times I would sit there and be like, I just, I don't, I don't know. I'm making shit up because I don't know. But it's because my emotions were so turned down. They were so soft-spoken. And that's very normal. Whenever you start trying to turn that dial back up, you're going to question whether or not you're doing it right and whether or not you're making things up. Go with it anyway. So what? What if you are making things up? First of all, I don't actually believe we make things up. I feel like that's always our subconscious giving us some sort of information. But allow your intuition and your creativity to run with the process anyway. And over time, these cues will become louder if that's something you struggle with. And you won't have to worry about whether or not you're making up the experience. So keep going even if it doesn't make sense. Or I should say, especially when it doesn't make sense. Because it probably doesn't make sense because it's not something you're used to. So embrace the awkwardness of questioning whether or not you're doing all of these tools correctly and whether or not you're over-intellectualizing. And just keep going. And over time, your body will remember the subtleties of the emotions. You will find balance between feeling your emotions and intellectualizing them, but you'll find that balance in a healthy way. So I hope you all learned something new from today's episode, or at least useful. And I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Let me know if there's something that resonated, or if you want to learn any more about this topic, I'm happy to bring in an expert that could tell us a little bit more. Thank y'all so much for hanging out with me today. Have a fantastic rest of your week, and I will catch y'all in the next episode. Until then, go out there and manifest some miracles. I hope y'all enjoyed today's episode. If you want to check out the show notes, head over to www.themodernmanifestation.com forward slash blog. If you're loving this podcast, please drop me a review, share this episode with a loved one, and follow me on Instagram at Modern Manifestation. I love y'all so much, and thanks for listening. Thank you.